Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, hi, everybody. How you doing? Just hold on a sec here. I'm just putting the finishing touches on this. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm inventing a new holiday. I'm gonna call it, um, Demon Oni Christmas with a chainsaw. Yeah, I'm still working on the title, but don't worry, it'll, it'll all come together at some point. Okay. Hey, everybody, how you doing? I would like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season from everybody at the Teching 101 offices. So pretty much just me and a brick, but still, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all. And you know what? I wanted to dial it back a little bit for this Christmas season, for this video. Um, I know that there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now in Wano. I mean, we just have uh, Zoro versus King, not to mention Luffy going up against one of the Yonko, not to mention Big Mom going up against Lawn Kid, not to mention everything going on with Yamato, not to mention everything going on with the Numbers, not to mention everything going on with the CP0, not to mention everything going on with the rest of the Straw Hats, not to mention everything going on with Gaimon! Seriously, don't know anything about Gaimon. I hope Gaimon is having a very Merry Christmas with Garfunkel over or Sarfunkel. Garfunkel? I think it was Sarfunkel over on the uh, Island of Rare Animals. But, um, you know, despite all of that crazy stuff right now, let's just go ahead with a very lighthearted topic. What would happen if the Straw Hat crew completely disbanded and they all went their separate ways? Okay, sounds a little bit sad the way I phrase that, but not like right now, like at the end of their journey, okay? So I might have mentioned some of this stuff before in SBS videos when we saw the Straw Hats drawn older, like Oda draws, you know, like Sanji at age 40, age 60. In the last one, we had Frankie drawn at age 50 and 70, and those were hilarious. So I might have very well brought it up with some of the Straw Hats there, but I definitely didn't go through all of them, and I wanted to compile it all into, like, one solid video, all right? Because the general idea is that after the Straw Hats make it to Laugh Tale and find the One Piece and defeat the Blackbeard Pirates and anybody else there that might try to to stop them, um, what's going to happen to the crew? Because, like, with Roger's crew, he disbanded it right after they found Laugh in the One Piece. Now, granted, he knew he had some, you know, really bad illness, and he was gonna die soon, and he also kinda had the idea, like, alright, I'm king of the pirates now, the world government's definitely gunning for me, so it's probably best if I just disband the crew right now, you go all out there in the world, try to live your lives as best as you can, try not to get captured by the world government. It made sense why Roger had to do that. However, 
you remember Roger at that point was like in his 40s or 50s. Like he was older than Luffy and the Straw Hats are right now. Well, except for Brooke, because Brooke is 90. But yo, that wasn't much of a skull joke, but he's just 90, right? But the idea is what would happen to the Straw Hat crew? And I like to think that, yes, after they do find Laugh Tale and the One Piece and they defeat any villains that might arrive to try to take it from them in this big epic final throne war thing, um, I think they will disband, but not permanently. It's not going to be like we're done and we're never going to team up again. I think it's more of like, let's all go our separate ways. But whenever there's a big adventure that comes around, Luffy's going to, you know, gather up the crew, you know, get the band back together, and then they would sail off for another adventure. And then after that adventure is over, they disband again, and so on and so forth, all throughout their adult lives, and even well into their time when they're, like, you know, old people. You know, they're just like, all right, Luffy, grab, I'll grab my Edmund, I'll be right there, you know? It's like they're, like, 85 years old, and they're still sailing off into the seas. Hey, Zoro, I found a planet out there made of meat. He's like, alright, well, I guess let's go. Oh, my hip! Like, I think that's the best way for the Straw Hats to really live their lives, because that would give them a chance to go back home, train and get stronger, sometimes physically, sometimes through other ways, live out their own passions, and then every once in a while, get together and go on those great adventures throughout their lives, okay? I think that would be a pretty good way to do it, and like, kind of end their story. Also, the idea is you have to understand, by the time the Straw Hats find Laugh Tale and the One Piece, Dragon's Revolution might very well end with the Tenryubito being, you know, thrown off of the red line. So you don't have to worry about, you know, that, that oppressive government factor anymore. So they'll be able to go out there in the world and kind of do their own things that they wouldn't, you know, otherwise be able to do because of the world government's, you know, influence, right? So with that being said, one more thing before I get into this, this is not anything about power scaling, okay? So we're not here to talk about, you know, how much stronger Zoro would be uh, than Rayleigh when he's Rayleigh's age. You know, when, when Zoro is 78, would he be able to slice the planet in half or slice the moon in half? I don't know. Maybe he might, but we're not here to talk about that right now, okay? So, with that being said, let's start off with Monkey D. Luffy. And I'll be honest with you, this was the trickiest one because what's a hobby that Luffy has other than eating meat? That's right adventuring, traveling with his crew. Much of Luffy's overall dream involves just the fact that he has the Straw Hats, that he has his Nakama traveling the Grand Line looking for a great treasure. So what therefore happens after he finds the said great treasure, okay? It's just like, well, I'm gonna go off and and adventure some more, and I honestly think that's what's going to happen to Luffy, and like I said in the beginning of this, I think Luffy's going to be the catalyst for when the Straw Hats do get back together later on in their adult years to travel, so picture it like this, okay? The Straw Hats find Laugh Tale, after that great adventure, they're sailing away, and Luffy decides, hey guys, you were the greatest, you know, crew anybody could have ever had, I appreciate every single one of you, we all made it out alive, except for the Mary, except for the Mary, um, but then Luffy has a moment where he maybe, like, takes off his hat, and he's just like, for right now... I think the Straw Hat crew should take a break from the, the world, take a break from, you know, adventuring. But if there's ever a time when any of us, any of us, not just Luffy, but if like there's a moment where Sanji's in a pickle or, you know, Nami's in trouble or Robin needs help or anybody, 
they'll all get back together again to help that one person, okay? And if Luffy is out there traveling the world and he sees something that's like, oh, wow, there's another treasure out there somewhere. It's in the center of the earth. I have to get my crew together. You know, something along those lines. They'll get back together with Luffy in a heartbeat, okay? But in the meantime, I can honestly see Luffy, I mean, going back home at first, back to Fusha Village to reunite with Makino and Whoop Slap and Dadan and everybody and maybe tell the story of his adventures to them. But then also after that, going out in the world and just adventuring solo. Also training. We also know Luffy loves to train. He's a typical shonen protagonist, you know, just like Goku. Loves to train. So, yeah, in between these adventures, just adventuring himself, training, getting stronger, learning more about his devil fruit, learning more about hockey. I could honestly see Luffy because he's shortened his lifespan so much from, you know, using Gear 2nd and then the whole thing with Emporio Ivankov and the healing hormones that impel down. Like, Luffy, I have a whole video on this channel about Luffy's shortened lifespan, but I could totally see this where they adventure a few times, like throughout their 20s and 30s and stuff, and then when Luffy's like 55 years old, he might get diagnosed by... Maybe Maybe Chopper or somebody like he calls Chopper and Chopper gives him a diagnosis like Luffy this isn't looking good there's nothing I can do you're only going to survive maybe a few more years and then Luffy at that age is just like ah well I guess you know what that means right I guess it means it's time we have one last adventure with the old crew you know and that's kind of a sad way to end Luffy's life and his story but I would see Luffy doing nothing else. I mean, he literally has romance when it comes to adventure and seeing things that he's never seen before and traveling to far-off locations, especially if there's, like, an end goal, like the One Piece is in this case. And I wasn't entirely kidding about... Because there is space in One Piece. Like, space pirates exist. The moon-based city is a thing. So if we want to go all Torico with this and be like, Luffy does discover a planet, like, hey, Zoro, Sanji, Usopp, Nami, Chop, Robin, Brooke, Jinbei, whoever else I might be forgetting right now, Yamato at that point as well. You want to go into space with me? And Frankie's like, I'll get to work on the rocket ship. I'll get to work installing the rocket on the Sunny. <laughs> Just like the 10,000 Sunny. That's the upgrade to the 1,000 Sunny, right? So Luffy's is pretty basic. He's just going to be an adventurer. Then we get to Zoro. Okay. So provided uh, Zoro becomes the greatest swordsman in the world at the end of the story um, or maybe in the epilogue of the story or whatever, I think he would kind of adopt, maybe not necessarily like Mihawk, where Mihawk sort of has his own island and own castle and he just kind of lives in there. I think Zoro would be much more of a traveling samurai or I guess traveling Ronin in Zoro's case, right? And he goes around the world and the thing is, he has a really shitty sense of direction, but that kind of is perfect for a wandering Ronin. Like, that's literally in the title. He His title changes from Pirate Hunter Zoro to Wandering Ronin Zoro or something like that. And he just travels the world with literally no destination in mind. You can't get lost if you don't have a destination in mind, right? Uh, absolutely. So he just wanders all over the world. He just ends up in the Grand Line? Okay. He ends up in the New World? Fine. He ends up in Antarctica? Fine. Like, whatever. He ends up on the top of the Red Line somehow. He ends up on the moon somehow. Like, whatever. And he just travels, and if anybody wants to challenge him for the title of the greatest swordsman, he'll be up to the challenge, right? And he might even have a moment similar to, like, when Mihawk had when he first met Zoro at the Baratier, right? Zoro's traveling somewhere in the, the, you know, the distant countryside of the South Blue, and he runs into a swordsman much like himself, and they fight, and Zoro absolutely devastates him. But he sees, like, promise, and he's just, like, stand up. It would be really cool if it would have been, like, a woman also, like, you know, kind of, like, reminiscent of Kui 
Rowena. You know, like Zoro's traveling and comes across a woman that also uses the sword and then they fight and Zoro doesn't hold anything back and he wins, but then he sees in Kuina, like, you know, what he sees like Kuina in her eyes and like, oh, I want you to, you know, get stronger and come back and fight me. Kind of the same thing that Mihawk said to him. That'd be actually really cool. The other idea is he might take up the position of being the teacher at the dojo at Shimosuke Village at Ishin Dojo. Um, I guess it's possible because, you know, I guess Kuina would have been the one to take up the position of the sensei at the dojo after Koshiro passed away. But of course, Kuina died. So therefore, after Koshiro dies, I guess there's really nobody else in that family, in the Shimosuke family, to take up the residency as the dojo's master. But Zoro, while he might not be Ushimaru's son, we found that out in SBS, he's definitely related, like, distantly to Ryuma. Even if you want to say he's like a distant cousin or something, like a branch family with Ryuma, there's a family resemblance there. So I guess it's also possible Zoro, after the adventure, could return to the dojo. And, you know, it might be a thing like maybe when he's in his like 20s, 30s, 40s, he travels around the world aimlessly. But when he gets older, kind of like, you know, more like Kozaboro, he returns to the dojo to become the sensei there to train a new generation properly. You know, maybe something like that. I could see, I think Zoro and Luffy, like their lives are overall pretty simplistic. It, it doesn't really take them a lot to be happy. Um, it's actually very minimal to, to keep them happy. It's just getting stronger for Luffy. It's adventure for Zoro. It's, you know, battling a lot of other really strong swords uh, swordsmen and learning about their different styles and stuff. That's that's really what it takes to make them happy. So then we go on to Nami. Something interesting I wanted to bring up with Nami. Um, so her goal is to draw a map of the world, right? Now, certainly drawing a complete map of the Grand Line would be very, very difficult. That's why nobody's managed to do it and that's why she's going to be the first one to complete that map. But there's also a lot of other places on the planet that she's yet to be, that the Straw Hats haven't gone yet. You know, like the distant, far off, like ice continents and stuff. Like the furthest corners of the world and every little crevice of the red line, you know, maybe subterranean locations. Oh, yeah. Then you factor in sky islands and like the islands under the ocean and stuff like that, like Fishman Island and all the other uh, islands that were under the ocean. So after finishing her complete map of the Grand Line, both Paradise and the New World, that's great. But I can also see her being like, hey, there's a lot of other far off places I've yet to journey. Now, she might also just wait until the next time Luffy asks for her assistance, right? And so like another five, ten years go by. It's like, hey, Nami, I need your navigation skills once more. Like, oh, where are we going, Luffy? Going to the ice continent at the furthest end of the world. And be like, oh, I haven't drawn a map of that place yet. So in the meantime, I can actually see Nami um, returning to Kokoyashi Village and honestly running an orphanage. Because there is an orphanage at Kokoyashi. We saw it in the manga. It wasn't really mentioned in the anime. I think it was mentioned in the episode of Nami OVA. But it was run by uh, Daddy D and Mommy Me. It was actually the place that originally Nami and Nochiko were going to be sent. But then Belmere decided to watch them herself. Okay. And be their foster mother. Okay. So just, you know, the message of Belmere finding these two children on the battlefield and raising them as her own daughters. Um, I think that spoke very much to Nami and Nojiko as well. So I could actually see both of them. Like they return, like, like Nami returns to the village, stays with Nojiko, and they open up a bigger orphanage there on like the plantation where, you know, Bellamere raised them. And they, you know, take in kids from all over the East Blue. And Nami and Nojiko can also be like teachers and stuff. Cause I think it was revealed in like one of the SBSs that like Nami's job in the real world would be like a kindergarten teacher. She'd be like an elementary school teacher or something like that. And you could see that with Nami, especially how she, you know, treated the kids at Punk Hazard and stuff that were experimented on by Caesar and all that stuff. And her 
disdain for Caesar because of that. So I could see her, like, returning to Kokoyashi, setting up an orphanage and a school for the kids there, like the orphans of the East Blue. It's better than turning into cipher pull agents by the government, right? And so, with that being said, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. If the world government collapses, or at least if the tenure Beto system collapses and everything, there might be a bunch of orphans that were, like, supposed to be trained to be the next generation of cipher pull. And it's like, well, we don't we don't really need cipher pull anymore. So, you know, maybe Nami and Nojiko take the orphans and stuff. And then every few years, you know, Luffy's like, hey, come and travel. And so she does. And she slowly begins to finish the world map throughout her life. I don't think the world map is something she can just finish on this one journey with the Straw Hats. It would take multiple journeys all over the world for her to properly finish that map. But eventually in her older age, she would finish it, right? Uh, moving on to Usopp. All right, so... Kind of the same deal with Luffy. I can actually see Luffy and Usopp traveling together after the crew disbands. Because the idea is like, yeah, Usopp would return to Kaya at uh, Syrup Village. Maybe they would get married or something like that. But I think much like his father was called to the sea, I think Usopp would do that as well. Where he would hang out at Syrup Village as like his home base. But he would travel out to the sea every once in a while to really, you know, wants to be a brave warrior. Wants to travel, wants to learn, much like Luffy. So I could see him and Luffy traveling all over the world at multiple different times in their life. Maybe sometime Usopp goes by himself. Maybe sometimes he brings Kaya. How about that? Kaya's training to be a doctor, so he doesn't have to do the same exact thing that, like, Yasop did, where Yasop just left his, like, pregnant wife alone at Sierra Village to go out and be a pirate, right? So, actually, I think the timeline thing, I think it's possible that Yasop might have met Banshina after he joined Shanks, maybe when he returned. I don't know. But maybe Usopp doesn't want to do the exact same way his dad did it, you know, and everything like that. So it's like, hey, maybe he becomes a family man and he marries Kaya and Usopp has kids and stuff like that. But then when he decides to travel, maybe not when they're like super young, but he always makes sure to come back and like spend Christmas and stuff and birthdays with his children and his wife, okay? He's not, like, just gone for years, all right? Especially since his mother died and Yasop was nowhere to be found. So, I think Usopp would do it a little bit differently, and then maybe when his kids get older, maybe him and his kids and Kaya would all go out to sea together. Like, hello, come on, kids, we're going on a family vacation. Where are we going, Dad? To the New World. Oh, man, our dad's so cool. Also... This is another idea for Usopp. So, family man, adventurer, explorer. How about author? Like, he would say everything. He's like, so holy crap, guys. First off, those of you reading this book, if you haven't heard of a thing called hockey, here it is. You know, did you know about devil fruits? Did you know there's mythical devil fruits? Did you know there's devil fruits that allow people to turn into a dragon? I know. I fought one. Also, Usopp would lie up and down the book. He'd be like, so when we arrived at Alabasta, Crocodile was a pretty difficult opponent. Me and Luffy went up against him, and even with two-on-one, the odds were stacked against us. But with just me and my clever slingshot skills, I was able to turn the tide, allowing Luffy to finish him off. It would be that type of shit. Like, Usopp would be writing a novel. He'd be like, sometimes he would give credit where credit is due. Other times he'd be like, well, Luffy punched out Kaido, but I was there also. You know, like something else like with that, you know? Or or rather, like, it would be actually really funny if he was, like, retelling the events of Wano. Like, the, the entirety of One Piece is just Usopp, right? It's like his version of events right so it's like he goes for like a whole like five pages on his fight with page one where he didn't even finish off page one big mom did but he goes like five chapters on his fight with page one and then at the very end he's like also luffy defeated kaido chapter 
27 L bath, you know, <laughs> like that's how it would go. So yeah, I think Usopp would be kind of like a uh, mass deuce from the Ace Light novel. Like he would become like an author and tell the stories of his grand adventures, like Bragman or something. But emphasis on the brag when it came to Usopp, right? But that would be pretty funny for Usopp's adventures. Uh, who's next, Sanji? All right. I thought of a bunch of different ideas for this. I was, I was trying to think of more than one idea for this because the obvious one is Sanji becomes the head chef. Maybe after the red line collapses, maybe the uh, all blue is created where Reverse Mountain was or where Marijois was or whatever, and they move the Baratier to that new, loca new location, that new locale on top of the all blue itself. And so the idea is then like, okay, and so Sanji you know, and Zef work at the uh, restaurant, but then Zef gets old and he eventually passes away, and then it's Sanji's task to be the head of the Baratier with this giant plethora of all these fish from all over the world coming together to be caught and eaten, right? With one crucial difference, and I think you can tell what the crucial difference would be. If Sanji was the head chef in charge of the Baratier, he would hire as many attractive women as he could, right? As, like, waitresses, as chefs, as, like, you know, pastiers and all that stuff. Like, that would be, like, the Baratier. In fact, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see, like, an epilogue to One Piece where we skip, like, 30 years into the future after the Straw Hats find Laugh Tale. So Sanji's, like, in his 50s. And it's like the Straw Hats are all going to the Baratier to eat lunch. And they open up the doors and it's nothing but, like, supermodels in the place. And she's like, welcome to the Baratier. And Sanji's like, hey guys, how you been? <laughs> it's like, really, Sanji? Really? It's just like, what? <laughs> you know, like, that would be probably how Sanji would run the place. But I did think of another possibility. And it wasn't the hairdresser thing, because that was one of the things that Zoro, not Zoro, Oda said. Zoro, Oda, same person. Why Oda said, like, Sanji, if he was living in our world, what would he do? He'd be a hairdresser. But I thought that'd be too easy of a, of a pick. So, all right, it's either Sanji's going to be the head chef at the Baratier, or he's going to start a bakery. It's a pretty good, pretty good path for, for Sanji there, absolutely. So moving on to Chopper, um, okay, so Chopper wants to be the doctor that cures any illness. You know, much like Nami's dream of drawing a world map, um, that's going to require Chopper to travel a lot more all over the world, not just in the Grand Line. Yeah, the Grand Line is where there's a lot of really weird illnesses um, that definitely don't have cures, and so he would do, be, be doing a lot of his work in the Grand Line, but also he would have to travel to all the blues to really understand all the diseases in the world to become the world's greatest doctor that could really cure, like, anything, right? Absolutely. Um, also, going, hearkening back to um, Hiralux, you know, phrase and his, uh, you know, speech on, like, the sickness of heart and then the idea of uh, Dalton saying, like, is that true for a country? Could the sickness of a country be cured as well? And, you know, Hiralux assures him that, yes, it can, as long as the will to do it lives on, that kind of stuff. So I think, I think Chopper would be, for one thing, going around learning about actual illnesses that he could cure with medicine, but also Chopper kind of becoming sort of like a psychologist traveling the world and learning about other types of illnesses that weren't just like physical you know like mental illnesses and stuff like that what people are like sick at heart or stuff like that and trying to help them in that way you know because we don't really have much of like 
you know, mental health assistance in the One Piece world. You know, we don't really see a lot of psychologists and stuff like that. So maybe Chopper could kind of pioneer that field in the One Piece world. Like he cures a lot of physical illnesses, but he's like, how are you feeling today? He's like, well, doc, I'm just all messed up inside. And he's like, well, tell me how you, how, tell me what it's, what's wrong. Maybe I can help, you know? And just like, you know, kind of going on with like Hirolux words and stuff like that. So I could kind of see that going on with Chopper. Uh, moving on to Robin. Robin is the one that's like uh, next to Frankie the most fun okay so as I said Nami becoming like a teacher like an elementary school teacher I could see Robin becoming a straight-up professor okay and not just a regular professor like she's basically going to try if the world government or at least if the Tenrubito are not around anymore so no one to you know suppress information and knowledge and about poneglyphs and everything Robin would go to try to revive Ohara probably not on the same island because it's burned to smithereens but finding maybe another island maybe in the West Blue or anywhere really where she could plant a new tree of knowledge and I want you to picture this this in like the Baratier and also Frankie's and, and also Brooks as well I have a very vivid image of these in my head like the way that Oda could draw these okay as almost like cover page spreads or whatever and so the image with Robin I have is that she's giving like a lecture to a bunch of like up-and-coming archaeologists and people that want to learn about the history of the world and the geography of the world and everything like that and Robin is giving this lecture outside under a new tree of knowledge like a sapling that they planted and it's growing and it's gonna take a while before it gets back up to the size of the tree of knowledge at O'Hara, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand years, or however old that was. I think it was five thousand years, but at least they're starting. At least the oppressive nature of the Tenryubito is not around anymore, so Robin can teach them everything about the Void Century and about Poneglyphs and about the history that they've forgotten for so many centuries to make a better future. I, I could kind of see that with Robin, can't you? You know, and also the idea of bringing back, you know, O'Hara, so it's like a safe haven for the scientists of the world to study without fear of reprisal. They don't have to do it in secret anymore. Um, the other idea I had is like, okay, Robin becoming a professor and, you know, very like a scholar, educator, and stuff like that. Kind of going along the idea of Nami having an orphanage. What if Robin has, like, a boarding school sort of situation? But it's it's much more predicated on teaching, you know, higher education sort of situation. Like, a very prestigious kind of, you know, boarding school. But, like, anybody can attend, um, you know, for people to learn about, like, the true history and stuff. You know, Maybe Robin could be, like, the headmistress for that school or something, right? Yeah, maybe something along those lines. Um, then we have Frankie. Frankie is the most fun because... I talked about this in the last SBS when we saw Frankie drawn at age 50 and 70 in the good universe. He was like, yeah, I'm going to fix this island up. I'll build a, a heating mechanism, much like Vegapunk tried to at Karakuri Island. And then at age 70, he's like this old grandpa that's like, yeah, I'll fix up your bike. I added a rocket engine to it just for good measure, though. You know, so that's 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 Frankie, right? Frankie would probably become kind of like Vegapunk, and we don't know much about Vegapunk, but like the idea of Vegapunk that we learned at Karakuri Curry Island, where he was trying his best to make life better for the regular citizens, the average Joes of the One Piece world, because he had all this knowledge and he wanted to make the world better for it. And the world government got involved and now he's making pacifistas. But I think Vegapunk will be, a, he'll make his appearance and he'll be a swell guy, all things considered. Like Frankie goes to an island where it's like a bunch of people out in the fields, you know, breaking their backs with like these crude farm, you know, implements and stuff. And so Frankie's like, oh, don't worry, I can, ma have you heard of a tractor. He's like, 
no. And like, now you do. And like, he looks back and Frankie has just built a tractor inexplicably in like the span of like five minutes. Right? Here's a tractor that actually reminds me. Okay. Any Johnny Bravo fans out there? Johnny Bravo. Hoo, ha, hoo. All right. So there was an old episode of Johnny Bravo where he went to go live on a farm, like in an Amish community, which me from Pennsylvania, you know, there's a lot of Amish communities around here, but there's like one scene there where, you know, he has to like farm the field. And so he just makes like a giant tractor monster truck out of nothing and then farms the field that way. And then the Amish are off to the side looking at him like, mm, that's not how you do it. But like, it's so cool. Like Johnny Bravo built like a monster truck tractor to like, you know, plow the fields or whatever. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, Frankie could do that. He could build a monster truck tractor, right? He's just like, all right, well, if he's like, there's this old man in the field with just like a pitchfork and he's like, oh, my hip. And Frankie just shows up with this giant monstrosity. It's painted with like flames on the side and stuff, tosses him a pair of keys like, here you go, old timer, have fun. I don't know how to run this. Oh, you'll figure it out. He's like, all right. And so the old man puts on some shades. He's like, get out of grandpappy's way. <laughs> he just like plows the fields in like two seconds. Like Frankie would do that type of shit. Like he would show up on an island where he walks around and like there's nothing really that needs improved. Like it's a nice little city and the people are happy and everybody's taken care of. And then it's like, well, is there anything I can help with? And you know, the people are like, no, we're good. Hmm. You know what would make this better? And then he goes around and, like, he creates, like, I don't know, motorcycles. You know a place where this would make look better? Motorcycles. And so there's no reason for it. There's no reason for him to build these things for the people. They didn't ask for it. But it's just like, you have motorcycles now. You have some choppers. Have fun. And then he leaves. <laughs> It's like, all right, I guess. And they're they're very environmentally friendly. I'm imagining Frankie could probably build, like, you know, motorcycles that run on, like, plant matter or something, right? Like, it would be very uh, environmentally friendly. Okay. But, yeah, Frankie would do that type of stuff. In the video, I talked about him being, like, the doctor, Matt Smith's 11th doctor on Trenzalore in um, the time of the doctor, the very last episode with 11th doctor Matt Smith. And, like, he's just living in this farm village and just helping the people out as much as he can uh, with, like, his investment inventions and stuff in his intellect and that's how the doctor kind of finishes his first life so yeah kind of like that with frankie just going around and he's like hey kid have a rocket ship i know it's not really responsible but have a rocket ship fully functional jimmy neutron this shit you know like that's the kind of stuff that frankie would do um moving on to brooks brooks is also really fun all right so obviously brooke is going to return to laboon but what's he going to do when he reunites with Laboon? Obviously, they're going to party. He's going to play for Laboon, the tone dial recording, the last uh, concert performance of the Rumbar Pirates, um, catch up with Crocus, absolutely. But what after that? Um, you could say that Brooke would just live at the Twin Capes with Crocus and with Laboon and live out the rest of their days and everything like that in peace and you know quiet. I think Brooke kind of deserved that. Um, but I have another idea. How about this? I'm just going to throw this out there, okay? Okay. Laboon is a really big whale, right? Okay. What if you build a concert stadium inside of Laboon's stomach? Bear with me on this, okay? Concert stadium inside of Laboon's stomach, 
and Brooke travels the world with his giant mountain whale companion, island whale, sorry, island whale companion, rocking out every Saturday night, like, the way, the party, it's like the party bus, except it's the party whale. Like, hey guys, the party whale's coming to our island, aw oh, sweet, totally radical dude, the Soul King's gonna be playing tonight, awesome, and so Laboon just shows up next to an island, like he shows up next to Alabasta, and he just opens his mouth and like a staircase and a red carpet comes out. Brooke comes jamming out. He's just like, yeah, bone to be wild. And like, everybody's like, oh yeah. And they just all go inside the whale and they just rock out all night inside of the whale. Like Jonah, <laughs> just like if Jonah was in the 1970s. And then they all leave the next morning, like Laboon spits them out. He's like, dude, that was the most radical concert ever. And then Brooke just sails away with his whale companion. And they're together and they're having a great time. Brooke still gets to be the Soul King. Laboon is happy. Everyone gets to enjoy some great concerts. <laughs> Crocus can work the concession stand, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Crocus working the concession stand. You walk up to the concessions, you'd be like, hey, man, can I get some popcorn? Crocus just glares at you like, boom. 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 Would you like some butter on that? Yeah, dude. Hmm. He just gives him the stare. He's like, here you go. And it's just like, that, that would be pretty funny. I could see that working out. All right. And then finally, the most serious out of all of them, which I was going to start with Jinbei and work my way back, but Jinbei's is easily the most, like, real world and kind of serious. So I kept him for the last one to kind of add some, like, you know, after, after the Brooke and Laboon traveling concert party whale adventure, this is Jinbei, all right? So, provided what I think is going to happen with the red line coming down, Fishman Island maybe being destroyed, but then being brought to the surface. Like, the Noah serves to serve as the evacuation device for all of the fishmen and merfolk living in Fishman Island. They get to the surface, the Noah becomes the center of a new Fishman Island where Marijuana once stood. And so that's the representation of, like, the Tenerubito's 800-900 year rule has finally ended, and there's finally peace and equality in the world. However, even with the Tenerubito gone, there's still going to be a lot of oppression in the world, you know, and there's going to be kingdoms and kings and queens that still subscribe to the same kind of legacy the Tenerubito did, um, very prejudiced views against fishmen, merfolk, anybody that's not a human. And that's where Jinbei comes in. Jinbei is going to be sort of like the civil rights leader for the new generation of, uh, just the new generation in general, of like, okay, fishmen and merfolk living together under the same sun as humans and all these other species in the world to make sure that nothing like what happened before happens again. Basically carrying out Otohime and Fisher Tiger's will, you know, but he's going to be the one that does it. And it's interesting because at the beginning, Jinbei didn't have those same views. He did not love humanity the same way Otohime loved humanity. And after Fisher Tiger died, he was really conflicted, right? Um, but after everything that he experienced with the Straw Hats and throughout his life, it's kind of like he was never the one. He, he probably thought he would never be the one to hold that mantle, to carry that torch. But he will be. He will be the one to carry that torch that Otohime and Fisher Tiger started and carrying on this new generation where everybody can live together in peace and harmony in the One Piece world. 
I could see I could see Jinbei doing that. So with that being the serious ending to this video, I hope you guys all enjoyed. Let me know down below what you think the Straw Hats would do after the crew disbanded, or if the crew disbands. I mean, they might never disband. They might just travel together forever. I just think it would make sense for them to, you know, disband for a couple of years, get back together, travel for some adventures, come back, wash, rinse, and repeat, and kind of do that throughout their lives. I think that would make the most sense. Well, anyway, like I said, very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year from Teching and Barry. Signing out, everybody. I feel like I should be singing a Christmas carol right now. Uh, uh, silent nights, holy nights, all is calm, all is bright.